A reading from 1 Samuel. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Jebeah of Saul. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, but Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord was sorry that he had made Saul king over Israel. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is now before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. He said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. He sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The word of the Lord. So, it's Father's Day, and I have a little Father's Day story that leads us into the text for today of the Old Testament. My question is, who's the bravest father in this story? So a little old man, a little man, walked into a biker bar, and he cleared his voice, throat nervously, and said, which of you gentlemen own a black pit bull which is chained outside to the parking meter? And a giant of a man wearing biker gear turned slowly on his stool. He looked down at the quivering little man and snarled, it's my dog, well, why? Well, sir, the little man squeaked very nervously, I believe my dog just killed your pit bull. What? roared the big man in disbelief. What kind of dog do you have? And the little man answered nervously, It's a small Pekingese. That's ridiculous, roared the biker. How could your little Pekingese kill my pit bull? The little man, swallowing hard, said, It appears he got caught in his throat. 
Who's the brave father in the story? The little man, right? Walking into the biker's bar. So the theme today is God uses little things. And this is the story of the appointment of David as a child to become king because he was out tending the sheep. That's kids' work. But first of all, what happened from last week to this week? Last week, Saul was anointed and made king. This week, David is appointed and made king. Saul's godly spirit leaves Saul and now comes and rests on David. So in that story, chapters 11 to 15, Samuel and Saul have a falling out. And it takes place because of a battle with the Philistines. Samuel told Saul, wait seven days and I will come and share a sacrifice with you so that you can go into battle and win. Saul waited six and a half days because his army was slowly melting in to the caves and the hills and the little hiding places all over because they were afraid of the Philistines. And so Saul took the offering and made the offering to God. Samuel got there right after the offering had been made. And Samuel said, You have broken the covenant with the Lord. God will not name your line as a heritage for the people of Israel. Meaning, he would no longer be king. So, Saul went into battle. And he won the first battle. And after the battle, he stopped and he prayed to God, Shall we chase them down and kill them all? But there was no answer. While this was going on, while he's waiting for an answer, Saul's son Jonathan went to see how the Philistines were doing in a small town. So Jonathan took his sword-bearer his shield-bearer, and went to the town. And God gave him a word. And the word was, listen for them to say, come to us or go away from us. Jonathan greeted the Philistines in their city, and they saw only two of them, and they were probably laughing and said, come to us, meaning let's engage in battle. So Jonathan and his sword-bearer went into battle, and Jonathan and his sword-bearer defeated the village. While this was going on, back with Saul, he made a command that none of his army shall eat anything until the battle is over. And if they would eat something, then they would die. 
Jonathan had not heard that command, and as he was coming back from his own battle, ran across a honeycomb, a big one. And he dipped his walking stick into the honeycomb and ate it. When he got back to his father Saul, the answer had still not come, and so they did a prayer. And in that prayer, Jonathan was named as the one who had broken the command. And Saul wanted to kill his son. But the people prayed for Jonathan, and God interceded, and Saul did not kill Jonathan. Saul went into battle and fought against his enemies, mainly the Philistines. And whenever he was traveling around from village to village, and he saw a strong and valiant man, he brought him into his army. That brings us up to the text today. And today's text is Samuel is going to anoint a new king because God was upset with Saul and and Samuel and God grieved that they had done this. And so that's another good question. How does God grieve? I'm not going to go into it. You can just think about it. So, God told, Samuel told, uh, uh, God told Samuel to go ahead and fill his horn with oil so that it could be anointing the new king. And he said, go to Bethlehem, that little city. And in that little city, you will find the family of Jesse and take that family and bless them. And Samuel was afraid of Saul, and he said, Saul will kill me if I go and do that. And so God said, take an offering. So Samuel went with the offering to Bethlehem, and he asked the city and Jesse to sanctify themselves for an offering. And at that offering, the story of David is told. So Jesse brought each of his sons before Samuel to see who would be anointed king. Eliab, tall and fair, went before Samuel. And Samuel looked at him and realized how good-looking and how leadership seemed to be around him and said, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But God said, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. The Lord does not see like people see. The Lord looks at the heart. And then the next six sons went before Samuel, and each time God said, this one is not chosen. But something was wrong. God had said that one of the sons of Jesse would be named king. 
and all of them that were there walked before Samuel. And Samuel said, something's wrong. Do you have any other sons? And Jesse said, yes. One more son. He was very young. He was out in the field tending the sheep. If you were alive in that day and age and you heard the phrase, and he was tending the flock, that's king language. And so Samuel says, bring him. And as soon as he got there, God said, rise and anoint him, for this is the one. God looks at the heart. So if we compare this text with last week's text, both of them are the anointing of a king. The Saul story is very long and involved. King David's story is only five or six sentences. It's a long time to figure out Saul will be king. David becomes king by saying, this is the one, anoint him. And the result was, God's spirit went from Saul into David. And that was it. No big speeches, no big party, no ball, no grand parade, no hail to the chief, hail to the chief. This little story starts the same way it ends. Samuel went to Ramah. He went right back. David went back to tending the sheep. Nothing changed in Israel that people could see. The spirit have moved from Saul to David, but Saul is still king. Israel had the same king that was becoming more and more destructive to the nation, to himself, to the people. And yet, 1 Samuel 16 is terribly important because God opened up a new door. No one saw it. No one heard about it except those few people. But God was quietly moving, making a new king for Israel, but also making a new king that isn't named David, a new king who would save creation and the world, God's own son. God is often a at work where we do not see or understand what's going on. Yet when we look back, we see God's hand and toppling tyrants and ending wars and healing broken relationships. So we are reminded God is always at work. God is at work adopting us as sons and daughters in a cleaning water called baptism. 
God is always working for his people, and that's us. So the message is pretty clear. God does unexpected things. And he does it. And we're surprised. And we're surprised because we don't look back. We don't look to see how God works in the past. We don't look to understand what God thinks is important. We don't remember that God looks at the heart. There's a little irony going on here. Even though the text says that David was chosen because of his heart, it also says that he was ruddy, he had bright eyes, and was handsome. Ruddy, meaning red. It could refer to his red skin, or it could refer maybe to his red hair, which would really make him stand out in the Middle East. So God is always working to do something for his people. We need to remember the stories of that. What did God do to Pharaoh? What did God do to provide manna and water and the covenant of the Ten Commandments in the wilderness? What did God do in commanding them to settle in the promised land? What did God do after they inherited the land and needed people, a leader, to free them? And that was the judges. And now in 1 Samuel 16, God is saying, I will provide a king. Not the King David that we think of, but the king whose son dies on the cross for us. So God is always looking out for his people. He's making the story of faith happen. The lesson for us, look to God at all times, and God will surprise us in the most interesting ways. Amen.